Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Rural hospitals are disproportionately impacted by Ontario's health care crisis. That is a key message delivered by the Rural Ontario Municipal Association in a report recently released. Campbellford Memorial Hospital CEO Jeff Honenkirk can tell you firsthand how difficult it is to run a rural hospital. Keeping the emergency room open, recruiting doctors, addressing the concerns of nurses, mental health services, and an annual budget shortfall create a picture that is not pretty. Still, not everything is doom and gloom. He will also describe the ambitious plans the hospital has to develop a campus of care that may go a long way to solving these issues. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Jeff Hohenkirk, the CEO of Campbellford Memorial Hospital. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you very much, Robert. Thank you for having me. Recently, the Rural Ontario Municipal Association released a report calling on the provincial government to support rural communities impacted by the healthcare crisis. How would you describe the current needs of Campbellford Memorial Hospital as one of those hospitals serving a rural community? Thank you, it's a great question. Uh, I did have the pleasure of attending uh, the Roma conference as well. And I think uh, the discussions at, at the conference were dead on in terms of real the, the lack of primary care, the, the lack of support of keeping the emergency departments open, uh, the scarce mental health and addiction access, and as well as a shortage of health care workers. So these were the themes that were discussed at Roma. And this is what Campbell from Memorial Hospital actually experiences every day. Um, the the uh, one thing I could say is I've worked in large cities. I worked in urban cities. And now I work in a rural community. And I would have to say today, as it relates to Ontario health equity, that your postal code is more important than your genetic code. And yeah, I really see it and I really feel it today that health equity is actually not the same. The further north you are from the 401, the less access you have to care. So I was very pleased that the Roma report highlighted uh, specific recommendations that would help the rural communities. How is it that you respond to these challenges then? What do you do to in order to make up for that uh, inequity? Um, I, I do work a lot with our partners um, uh, because we can't solve healthcare challenges within the four walls of your hospital. So it's about partnerships, about integration. So we do work with our partners across Northumberland County. We also work with our Ontario Health team. We work with Ontario Health. We've taken the opportunity to identify, but also to rectify and try to work on solutions. Now, the government has been very supportive, including David Pacini, in terms of listening to some of our challenges. The challenge that we have here is there's only so much money and funding that could 
support programs or expansion programs. So it's very competitive when it comes to rural healthcare in terms of trying to get the support that you need, trying to access healthcare that you need, trying to get physicians here, trying to get nurses here as well. But it's really uh, more of a collaborative approach. I would have to say, uh, based on the pandemic, it's very clear that we can't solve this alone and we need to work better together. And this is how we're solving, at least addressing some of our challenges. Part of this collaboration you've already mentioned is working with our MPP, David Pacini. I understand that this week there is an important announcement regarding the family health team in Trent Hills. Can you share some information about this? So yes, and thank you. We are very grateful that um, the Trent Hills Family Health Team has been identified as one of the primary care expansion programs. Uh, it's been very clear that primary care uh, is challenging. So in our region, we have about 3,100 patients who are unattached. So they do not have a physician. So what happens is two things. Either they get very sick and stay home, or they come to the emergency department, which we do not have the capacity to support these patients, or at least to follow up these patients. So David Pacini will be coming an announcement on, on funding to expand the primary care program to allow them to uh, increase nurse practitioners and nurses to actually be able to, to support some of the uh, unattached patients, but not all. And we're hopefully that we are able to get more money to be able to serve at least the 3,100 with no family doctor. The recruiting of doctors is one of the big challenges that rural hospitals face. Now, with the demand being so great, why are young doctors or others not flocking to rural communities as it seems they would have a full practice in no time? Uh, that's a great question. I, and I'm actually uh, working very closely with the municipality of Trent Hills on a recruitment and retention um, a committee trying to figure that out. The challenge is the uh, education system is not producing enough physicians. That's number one. Number two, um, a lot of these physicians are actually graduating with a lot of debt. And when they actually graduate with debt, they're looking to join communities and, and practices where, they're, where they're, their overhead is actually subsidized by the municipality, or they're getting incentives to join municipalities to work. And what's happening is when you look at uh, Queen's University and University of Toronto, uh, a, lot of, a lot of these schools tend to attract uh, our residents and, and our physicians and they graduate and end up staying in urban and large cities. And it's very difficult for us to attract. So we are competing in, in terms of uh, uh, the, the short supply of physicians. It almost sounds like it's a bidding war to attract these young doctors. Is that a fair assessment? I'm gonna say that's exactly a fair assumption and it is. And the challenge we have is, uh, again, uh, the more aware you are, the less money you have to compete against the larger centers, urban and, and cities, absolutely. So how, how do you make up in the interim? How do you bridge these gaps while you're trying so desperately to bring people in? We, uh, we try to, uh, again, work with the uh, universities and colleges, but we're trying to uh, really understand what else could attract physicians. So for us in, in, in Camelford, it's lifestyle. So we're really trying to package a lifestyle, work-life balance, a, 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 a complement of, uh, of, of patients that is manageable. Uh, right now, what we're seeing is, we'll call it our physicians who are retiring, uh, tend to leave practices that we actually have to replace them with three physicians. 
just because of the workload. So uh, what we're trying to do is work with our new grads in terms of giving them the work balance, uh, selling, I would say, or at least promoting work life, the environment, the, 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 the hiking, the nature. But again, uh, you got to remember not everybody actually uh, wants to be able to uh, move in this area. The other challenge that we have is the young residents and physicians who come here also come with young families or spouses. So they also need work. So we're trying to work with our, our local businesses in terms of can we actually find employment for our uh, for their spouses as well. So we're, we're working very hard uh, with, uh, with, with our physician and recruitment group. But again, we are in competition with a lot of areas. Hard to believe that the waterways and the beautiful parks are, are not a big attraction. I, I don't yeah. understand. Absolutely. Uh, um, <laughs> Recruiting and retaining staff is also a challenge for the hospital. Last year, you went through an independent assessment committee hearing that ended with an extensive 102-page report to improve staffing and recruitment to retain nurses. Now, the report described the situation for nurses as being a, quote, poor work environment. What aspects have you implemented since the release of this report? Thank you. And that's a great question. Um, so first of all, um, what we've done differently um, is we sat down and listened and understood some of the challenges. And we're working very closely uh, with the union and, and keeping in mind that these recommendations, this report, you're starting to see this across all the provinces and all the hospitals, but, but we're focusing just on, on Camelford. Uh, and this is a market right now where we need to work closer with our, with our unions and our nurses. So with the 100 and, and plus recommendations, we co-developed uh, opportunities for improvement. For example, we looked at scheduling. For example, we looked at safety. How do we keep our nurses safety safe? We looked at, at um, um, nursing to patient ratio. We looked at education. Uh, so we are actually on our way of, 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 we'll call it checking the box on improvements, but we got a long way to go. Uh, but what I could say is that the unions and the staff are actually very pleased that management is working closely and that we are down the path of, of success, but we're not there yet. What is left to be done? There's a long list. So there is um, uh, models of care. There is, again, um, ensuring that we have appropriate equipment. So there's a process making sure that we also have appropriate uh, uh, training or continue education. So there is a long list. And um, what we've done is uh, with the unions and our nurses, if we've prioritized what are some of the things that we must do immediately? What are the things that we can actually work together? And what are the things that we could wait with with, with more investments? And um, we're working very closely with our nursing staff to do so. So I could say today, it is a better place uh, We are work, uh, to work. Uh, we are listening to our staff. We also have created, um, uh, we call it uh, retention uh, and uh, committees where nurses and it's multidisciplinary, where they're raising some of the challenges and bringing it to management. So therefore we're addressing it. And we're not waiting until it's too late. Do you think if anyone was to ask the nurses at the hospital, if they would recommend working there, do you think you've changed their minds sufficiently that, that they would say that? I'm gonna say absolutely. And, and I can say this with, with, with comfort. I've started here about nine months ago and there was about a 20% um, uh, exit of staff. Uh, we could not keep people uh, here, uh, we would onboard them and they would leave within months. Um, 
I can say with pleasure uh, the hard work of our team, human resources, and the work that we're doing with our unions, we have about, about a 5%. So we actually reduced the exit of staff to about 5%. So that's telling me that people are here are staying. People are actually giving us a, an opportunity and people want to stay here. So I'm glad to see that, that it is improving. The Roma report identified mental health services as another area. What is the status in Campbellford as it regards to this aspect of the report? Yeah, um, uh, thank you. And I, and I think mental health is really a, a, a big challenge across the province in Ontario. But as a, of Camelford, I, I would have to say um, uh, we're doing a great job, but we do have some of our pressures. Uh, we have lack of peer support. We have lack of counseling. We have lack of crisis support outside the normal business hours. Uh, we are working with our community partners, but um, uh, it is very challenging when actually it takes about seven months waitlist to actually get the counseling that you need. Now you can actually see a psychiatrist within a week, which is great, but you're not getting help to about seven months, which is a very big challenge in this area. So we definitely need more support, more counseling uh, and more crisis intervention. And the challenge in Campbellford Memorial Hospital and the area is transportation. You have to travel at least an hour, an hour and a half to, to try to get care that you need. And what happens is that there's no means of transportation and then if you are going to Peterborough or if you are going to Northumberland Hospital, they also have their challenges. So that wait list at seven months is unfortunately not acceptable and we need to do better. What opportunities though can exist? I know that sometimes uh, the use of technology by phone, by Zoom, by all these other things, um, is there is there no path using some of these more modern methods uh, that might uh, be able to provide you with service? Yes, uh, so we are using some of those technologies. So you do have phone consults and also video consults. But again, uh, based on your, your 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 level of need, uh, that only addresses the the the, the mild to low uh, uh, crisis patients. But anything to 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 moderate to high, you actually need intervention and counseling. And this is where your your wait list is much longer. One of the things that's being experienced in some of the larger urban centers is a problem with opioids and um, drug addiction. What are you offering in Campbellford for people who might be facing that? And what is the situation? Can you describe the situation as it exists in Campbellford? Yes, uh, without, without the exact numbers, we are seeing an increase of opioid. And where we're seeing that is in our emergency department. And unfortunately, um, uh, uh, we are unable to provide the care. So what happens is they come to the emergency department. We're seeing an increase of opioid cases, and we need to refer them to other programs. Now, it's only as good as them wanting to go and travel, and a lot of times they don't. So they end up in the community without getting the care that they need. And we actually are starting to see that now. Emergency department closures is a reality in some medium and smaller rural hospitals. And have you had to close the ER at any time in recent months? Our emergency closures is something that keeps me up at night. I um, I often work with our, our, our physicians and I work with our nurses. So my understanding is uh, last year, just before my, my starting, we closed the emergency department four times. And the reason for that is a shortage of nurses. And um, we rectified that by actually hiring agency nurses. Now, although we have agency nurses, and these are nurses that are, we call them traveling nurses, it's really helped us to keep our doors open. 
but the challenge is that we don't have the funding to support the agency nurses. So I would share that one agency nurse is equivalent to a salary of one CEO. We have about 13 agency nurses in this organization, and that's in order to keep the organization open. So it is very challenging, again, uh, to, to work with the, with the government and, and work with the province in terms of uh, we are mandated to keep our doors open, but we also can't afford uh, running this hospital agency nurses. So we're trying very hard to attract nurses, uh, but at, at this point in time, the only way we're doing it is, is by keeping it, by hiring agency nurses uh, to uh, to help us. Are there any walk-in clinics within the community? Uh, unfortunately, no. And that's, again, another challenge. So I'm hoping with the expansion program of Trent Family Health Team that there's after-hour clinics. The challenge that we have and the way the system works is you can only see a doctor if you're rostered to a doctor. If you're not rostered to a doctor, you actually come to the emergency department. The challenge that we have in a small rural area is you have a lack of access. And, and when you have no, no choice or if you work and you need to see a doctor after hours, you have nowhere to see other than the emergency department. So, so to me, after hours programs or clinics or walk-in clinics would definitely help the emergency department in the hospital. Travel times to access care is another issue that's mentioned in the report. You've alluded to this earlier, but I'd like you to explore it a little more deeply. How big an area do you serve and how often do you have to transfer patients to larger centers? Yeah, um, so I'm originally from, um, I will say about 10 years ago, uh, from the uh, GTA. And um, I've actually had the privilege of working in large academic centers and where you can actually have buses, subways, Uber, Uber Eats. Uh, when I go and tell my colleagues that you don't have this in the rural areas and they scratch their heads, they cannot believe that when you need access to healthcare or you need to see your family physician, there is just no transportation. The challenge that we have is, is because we're rural and we have a very lack of access uh, to specialists, you need to go to Peterborough Regional uh, Hospital or North Hastings. And it's very, very difficult. Now we are working with the community on uh, arranged rides, but again, this is far and uh, far and few. So the challenge that we have is people end up not getting the care that they need. So we are seeing this as a challenge. Um, it would actually be nice if we reversed it. Instead of having people travel far an hour, an hour and a half to get the care, wouldn't it be nice to actually have care travel here and, and, and allow us to provide care within the community, maybe once a week or once a month? And that to be, be with the right way of providing the care. You are working on plans to create a campus of care. Can you tell us what that is and how does it go to resolving some of these key issues? Yeah, uh, so, uh, thank you for this question. I was hoping you would ask me this. So campus of care is actually the solution to provide better healthcare for Camelford. And, and what we're trying to build is something very unique. And if you look in the Roma report, they really talk about integration of care better partnerships, more collaboration. So the, the the campus of care, what we're very excited for is we're building a healthcare system for 2080. So it's just not for tomorrow, for the next 10 years. It's for actually care that is required in the area. So we are building a new hospital, 50 bed hospital, a long-term care home of 28 beds, a community mental health clinic, a geriatric assessment intervention program, primary care, supportive housing, a dementia village, which I'd like to talk to, and professional offices. So what this does is it allows us to co-locate uh, services together where, where 
where we have green space and recreational, and it becomes a destination of integrated healthcare right in the heart of the community. So therefore, instead of traveling uh, an hour, an hour and a half, we've co-located and integrated services in one area on 50 acres of land. The beauty is we have the land and we have partnerships. What we don't have is approval to start building. So we're hoping that government really understands that we are trying to build a, a solution of healthcare. This is not bricks and mortar. This is actually a healthcare solution. And, and, and what I like about this solution is, is this will prevent and help the capacity in Peterborough, in the Quinty region, as well in, in the Coburg area, where we can actually provide care close to home, which is what Roma and government is trying to do. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing I like to share is how the benefits, it's, it, it would allow us to actually attract physicians in the area. So family health care and, and primary care is so important, but if we create a location and a place to practice, physicians will come and providers will come, and nurses will come. It also creates job growth where our campus of care will allow to build at least 500 more jobs. It'll be an opportunity really to work with our partners and having an integration and organization of services in one area, the co-location will allow to minimize duplication, will cost savings to the system. We can share constructions, infrastructure and opportunities. And, and I like to say that it will help with regional capacity uh, expansion. It would help with long-term care beds. It would help with our ALC and all our partners. So it would allow us to be true partners to Peterborough and new places. Because right now we rely on services in Peterborough and in Coburg. We're not the best partners because we have nothing to offer. As a campus of care, now we can actually be able to integrate better and be able to do our part. 50 beds is huge. No, actually 50 beds is just the beginning. So we have, North Harbor Hospital has 137 beds. And, and yeah, so 50 beds is, I actually believe it's a good start. I do believe that the building needs to have some, some expansion space. I actually think by the time it's built, we will need more beds. And the reason for that is we have, an, you know, you hear a lot in, in the province about an aging population. I have to say uh, in Campbellford Memorial area or in Trent Hills, we have an aged population. And when you're aged, this is the time that you need the most healthcare. And this is why we actually are trying to build a campus of care that actually takes care of the needs of your of your best 10 years, if you want to call it, your golden years, as we refer them to. You mentioned briefly uh, the Dementia Village. Can you tell us what that is and why it's significant? Yes. Um, uh, uh, we have, uh, are very fortunate that we have a, um, uh, uh, a, a local farmer who have actually donated 50 acres of land to us. And that's very exciting. So on 50 acres of land, we have space to actually build either 50 to 70 more units of housing where you can actually have people who are living with dementia barrier free, where they actually can roam within a village and, and we can actually take care of people with dementia versus sticking them into an institution and institutionalizing them where actually you degrade very fast. So a dementia care village will allow us to work with our partners where we can actually have barrier-free care. It'll be the first in the province. There is one that just opened in, in, in BC. And we actually, this is a very popular model in the European where you can allow people to age well and fear no age. And you can actually 
uh, uh, enjoy your, your years of aging uh, with dementia. Do you have an estimated cost for this build? Uh, right. No, uh, right now, uh, at this point in time, uh, we are working with the, the province. What we need right now is a planning grant. A planning grant right now is about $3 million, and the planning grant will allow us to estimate the cost that is needed to build this campus of care with our partners. And that will take a couple of years. But without a planning grant, we cannot come, come down to an estimate how much this will cost. But we can assure you, because it's co-located and because we have multiple partners on one campus of care, we will be sharing infrastructure, cost construction, working with the municipality, uh, and so forth. What sort of support are you getting from the provincial government as you try to move forward? Right now, we have their ears. They are listening. But unfortunately, uh, uh, I think that um, they've overpromised into many expansion programs and bills within the province. And they're trying to sort out uh, uh, how to support other uh, uh, expansions and renovations. And we have our hand up and we are working very closely with, with David Pacini. He is very supportive. But I think there's, there's a cue and a line. We're hoping that uh, with this new budget uh, um, announcement that comes in March this year, that we do get an announcement to support our planning grant to allow us to continue uh, to uh, build this campus of care. That's, that's desperately needed. It may take decades before you realize this. What do you do in the interim then? We continue working with our partners uh, and uh, in terms of providing the right care uh, in, in the province. So we are actually working with the province and uh, looking at mobility teams. We're working with our retirement homes on maybe looking at some, our, uh, we call them our ALC patients. These are patients who are too sick to be at home but not sick enough to be in a hospital. So we're looking to see if there's some capacity in our retirement homes where we can partner and create programs where we can actually have patients, our ALC patients uh, with restorative care to, uh, so to get better, to wait for their long-term care placement. We are working with our, our clinics. We are working with VON. Anything we can do, we've actually have asked for funding to have adult daycare programs. So therefore, if people actually need care uh, uh, during the day. Maybe uh, their loved ones could drop them off during the day where we can provide them care, diabetes care. So we're trying everything we can and trying to access as many innovative funding proposals as possible. Now, the campus of care, we do have a timeline. Uh, if we do get, or when we get our, our planning grant, if we get it this March or April as an announcement, we do believe that our long-term care program could start first, and that could be built within three years. Uh, our planning cycle will be four years. We're hoping by 2030, it all goes well, we can actually have this campus of care that's desperately needed. As I was hearing you answer my question, I, I didn't hear you mention the Northumberland County Paramedicine Program. Is yes. Campbellford served by this or not? Yeah, absolutely, we are actually served by three paramedicine programs. And we're very fortunate and very grateful in that program. And, and the program that they do with us is they, they take care of any patients that we just discharge that may need, we'll call it a health check. They actually go into the, the patient's home and they do glucometers, blood tests, and check in on the patients. And these patients are actually are, are waiting for, again, long-term care. And they are a bridge. And, and they're, they're actually helping us 
keep these patients healthy at home so they don't become readmitted back to the emergency department for care. So we are fortunate to have access to three paramedic programs. Money is always a crucial aspect for operating a hospital. How much money would you need to put Campbellford Memorial Hospital on a steady financial footing operationally? That's an excellent question. So uh, we are just going through that financial analysis right now. And based on our current spend, meaning taking care of our volumes, our increase, the need, and the staffing, right now, I would say between 30 and $32 million is probably a sufficient amount of numbers that will allow us to be financially viable, provide the right care to our patients, and support the staff that we need in order to ensure that we provide the right care in a rural, in a rural, um, in a rural community. How does that compare to your current budget? Right now, we are actually at twenty-four to twenty-five million dollars, so we are short about five point five million dollars at this point in time, and that's our actual cost. Trent Hills Council is building a twenty-plus million-dollar arena wellness center. Considering the needs of the hospital, how do you respond to this expenditure? Uh, I, I actually think it's excellent for the for the community. It is well needed, not just for the well, but also it, we have an opportunity to work with our, 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 our community center and our municipality in looking at programs. This is a great possibility that we can look at adult programs where we can keep our aging healthy. It's also an opportunity that maybe we can look at a way to where we can attract staff when they do have children on PA days. Can we actually put programs where we can take care of, of our children in community centers to allow our staff to come to work? So I think that we can come up with a unique opportunity with the recreational center. It also allows us to attract uh, um, people in this area. I do believe coming from Memorial, uh, Memorial area, uh, it is a destination to come and retire and to live well. And I think the recreational uh, center is just, it, it will help. You've mentioned briefly the municipality's contribution uh, to the recruitment process. We've just talked about the wellness center. How else does the municipality contribute to the hospital? Uh, the, the wellness, uh, yeah, so the municipality uh, um, is actually uh, sitting us with us right now planning on how we actually need to work together on this campus of care. So we're looking at zoning bylaws, environmental testing. So they're working with us and making sure that we we do all the right things so there are no delays and barriers when we do get approval to, to build our hospital. That's number one. Number two, I have to say that the, the municipality has been very generous and they are working with our primary care physicians on, on a, we'll call it an incentive program to subsidize some of their costs to allow them to stay here. And, and that also, as I mentioned before, what attracts young physicians is a su subsidizing some of their overhead. And the municipality has now agreed to help Trent Family Health Team and attract physicians in order to make their overhead easy for them to want to work here. So the municipality has been very generous and, I, and I'm very uh, uh, grateful. We've also had the opportunity to attend Roma uh, with uh, uh, Mike Metcalf, the deputy uh, mayor, to help us uh, share our concerns and the need for our, our our campus of care and housing challenges in our in our municipality in our area. You just released earlier this week a strategic planning survey. 
Can you tell us what that's about? Yes, uh, and we're very excited about it. So the last strategic planning uh, that was done in in in, in Camelford Memorial Hospital was, was 2013. So uh, one of the one of the mandates that uh, were given to me by the board was making sure that we have an opportunity now to actually build and design and reimagine our future. So part of the strategic planning process is really to do a re-engagement of our community and our partners to reimagine the future of Camelford Memorial Hospital, but also healthcare within our, within our region. So this is an opportunity to give our staff, our physicians, our community partners, and all our community to help us design the future of, uh, of healthcare, not just the campus of care, but what does what does healthcare look like and should look like in, in the area of Trent Hills. So what's next? So what's next is uh, by June, we will have a very clear path in terms of what the next five to seven years should look like. And in September, we will have a very clear path every year, what strategic priorities the organization, the municipality, and the board will focus on in order to get us to want the campus of care, but to, to better health care this, that this community needs. Jeff Hoenkirk, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. This is a pleasure. Thank you very much, Robert. That was Campbellford Memorial Hospital CEO, Jeff Honenkirk. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.